Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 248. Glad you could join us. We've got a bit more of a compact show this week, but there are some good topics we want to go over. So let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Jay. Hey guys, this is Jay, and uh, I'm also one of the purveyors here at Biomass, and I play some games and do some stuff on occasion. Uh, I've been uh, kind of grinding into Anthem pretty good. I have a little bit of, a little bit of comments on the, on that as, as the as sort of the game is maturing a little bit, and definitely uh, excited to talk about some Destiny. That's uh, that's kind of my go-to game that I'll always come back to, and there's uh, there's definitely some big news out there for that one. And uh, other than that, I'm a, apparently Colonel Mean Face now on Twitter. <laughs> uh, the 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 tradition that most of our show titles have nothing to do with the show and usually come from what we talk about before and after the show, aka all the stuff that you don't get to hear. That's great. All right, Livy, you're up. Hello, I'm Livy. I'm one of the Fantastic Five here. Um, <laughs> I'm not playing any of the awesome new games, so uh, but I'll be happy to talk about why I'm not. All right, and I am Pokey. I do a lot of YouTube stuff with Livy. We'll kind of touch on that a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I play a lot of games as well. But I think probably the, the, the biggest and main topic we'll probably go over is the upcoming stuff for Destiny 2, namely the Season of the Drifter content. And I'm just kind of curious on, on your thoughts, Jay, on this. I know this is, this is your guy. So, you know, what did you think of what they were showing off? Uh, it, it's actually, uh, in all fairness, so I thought it was, it, it's more than what I thought that they were going to do. Let me put it that way. Um, it's definitely, you definitely get the feeling it's, it's more significant than Season of the Forge, which I think was pretty low, low key on the end of things in terms of what you could get out of it. I mean, there's some kind of neat activities involved with the Forges, uh, a couple cool weapons here and there. But but by and large, it wasn't it wasn't you know seriously earth shaking. There was kind of like some one off stories in there. There was a kind of a neat raid, uh, which was definitely uh, a lot more action oriented. Not so much in terms of mechanics. Um, very very short. I mean, people are speed running it in like you know thirteen or fourteen minutes now. Um, but o- overall, not a not a not a huge uh, not a a huge entry, but there are some cool things that came out of it and sort of in the missteps that they had with the, with uh, the season of the forge. So season of the drifter, that's a fairly meaty content drop. There's apparently a, a fairly substantial amount of lore implications to like the world and the story in there. Uh, there's some actual in game cutscenes. It looks like more than a few. Um, and you're going to get quite a bit of information about Zer the Drifter, and uh, and the Nine, so to speak. And probably it'll tie into some of the Marasov stuff from last season, uh, which is probably the most significant thing we got out of, out of really Season of the Forge is the ongoing kind of Marasov story. A um, lot going on. So it's all Gambit-focused. Uh, from a mechanical side in-game, you've got Gambit Prime, which is basically the competitive version of Gambit. Then you have a new Pinnacle PvE mechanic or uh, world called uh, the Reckoning. More about that in a minute. You've got uh, some really interesting first steps into the direction I think we're going to see them going from an R- from RPGing Destiny a bit more in the form of some armor and armor perks and things like that that are directly uh, relating to your game style. Several new Pinnacle weapons announced. Um, 
several new exotic quests announced, and then you, you, you kind of get, you know, going back to that RPGing of Destiny a bit, you get this interesting choice set that you have to make, and it gives you different playthrough, probably not a lot of difference, but there's going to be some tonal different playthroughs, um, and you choose to basically back the Drifter or back the Vanguard is roughly what they're saying. Um, and reportedly, there's no clear right choice either. So that's a telling thing uh, in certain in terms of the future of uh, future of future destiny. And also, the thing after uh, season of the Drifter is now called season of opulence. So it looks like we're going to be dealing with Callus again. And they already let slip that there's a thing going on after that. So it makes you wonder if there's going to be a big September release then too. Or if they're going to have some other significant announcement coming out after that. But overall, it was more meaty than I thought. And they definitely are going in some directions from a story perspective and like an in-game mechanic perspective. That if you look all the way back to where we kind of ended uh, D2 year one to now, you see this neat sort of building block of as they add these more art, these more and deeper RPG elements to to Destiny. Um and I'm pretty, I'm pretty fired up about it, actually. I'm, I'm, I know I'm a big, big Destiny 2 guy. That's, that's kind of my home game. But um, I think this is a huge step in the right direction. And also in the Vidoc, like towards the very, very end, they drop some, some serious linkages to uh, Bungie, you know, operating free and clear and what they want to be able to do with uh, Destiny going forward in, in the deep future. So overall, I'm pretty stoked by it. Uh, we got, I'm not sure how you want to go if you want to go kind of take it. Um, and oh, by the way, there's a big sandbox update, which is going to modify a ton of things going on in the sandbox in addition to all these all this new stuff. Um, I'm not kind of sure. Like, I, I, I'm really curious to hear you and Livy's sort of kind of hot take on the Vidoc and what you guys thought before we kind of get into any of the, the mechanical parts of it. Yeah, no, I think um, where... Uh, season of the forge was a little ambiguous on what was going on and like you said that the content itself was it was fine but it wasn't it didn't feel like it was anything you know significantly new or different it was just mostly yeah it's a few variants of things you can do um and it was it, it was it was content you know it was kind of the same stuff you were doing before with some slight changes to it and it, it was it was okay you know and, and people kind of were it was okay you know but like you said, this is much, much meatier. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into the specifics on it, but just like what they were describing for, for Gambit Prime, I'm like, this is just, at least on the surface level, pretty significant. Like it actually changes up a lot of how you would probably approach that game mode. Um, and that's usually a sign of pretty good content when you've you've got something that's, it's not like a huge influx of like actual physical assets, that sort of thing, but it's enough to change it to a point where it makes you go, hmm, I might not do this same activity the same way anymore because of X, Y, and Z. And that, that's really good to see. Um, I was also happy to see that there's kind of like a, a, a gameplay loop between Gambit Prime and, and The Reckoning. Again, um, kind of get details on that. But I, I like that there's kind of a encouragement to bounce back and forth between activities so it's not just grind this one thing forever. And, and you kind of got that a lot with Season of the Forge where it was like, well, okay, you want the forge weapons, go and do this forge for three hours straight, you know, and, and hopefully get the drops you want. 
Um, that that's that's not as fun. I, I like the idea that you kind of have to cycle between different activities. So that's really solid. Um, and then also, I think a lot of the stuff coming in the sandbox was uh, it, it it made a lot of sense. Um, it definitely will change some things up, but I think it'll be good to kind of mix the meta up. And and you know, some people get upset when they they nerf stuff or or. or that sort of thing in these sandbox updates, but I'm like, you know what? Even if I really like that thing that they're nerfing, it's good just to kind of see where the cards lie and um, and how it's all going to look once it's over, and it kind of forces you to change your your, your play style. Um, because you know, if you do a lot of competitive, if you do a lot of high level stuff, you're kind of forced to use the meta because usually stuff is kind of scaled around that, or at least you're heavily encouraged to. So anything that forces me to actually try something different or change my play style is really good. And that's important because it gets pretty stagnant after a while. You're just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like a good example, and we'll get into it, but like, you know, nerfing the full auto shotguns, like, I'm happy to be able to go, I don't need to carry a shotgun anymore because that's the only viable close range weapon, you know, like, you carry yeah. a full, like, you had to have one, like, that was just expected. And well, I and oh, by that. the way, the exact same shotgun, the EP shotgun that we all carried. But the, yes. it, to be more specific. Yeah, because even after they nerfed that specific perk, you still carried that one because it was just so much better than anything else. You know, like, it, it gets really stale. I like it when I have to make a really hard choice. Um, and if they can't get the balance quite right, but at least when these sandbox updates, they at least change what you're doing um, a little bit. And that that's, that's good. Um, as for story, I think that the the drifter i mean when they announced the season passed and i saw season of the drifter you know, it was the second one in the in the lineup it was like that's that's the one i bought the season pass for because for the most part a lot of the characters in destiny as a whole are usually pretty one dimensional or their stories are are kind of eh you know they they serve their purpose for for their respective dlc and then they're kind of done um the drifter is a character they've really been lining up and setting up this very intricate plot point for a very long time um, to, you know, kind of culminate into whatever this is. So when I, I saw that there's going to be a DLC specifically for him, um, I was very excited. Like, like I said, that was like, he's like one of the best characters they have that's still alive. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's good to see him get some, some stuff. And in the fact, they've kind of been leading up with multiple threads with, like, um, you know, the thorn and the last word and how he ties in with this. And then particularly what you mentioned before, where you have to pick a side between the Drifter and the Vanguard. Um, that's really cool. Um, it, it's nice that you get per character, so you can at least do both if you want. But still being able to pick one and kind of see that through um, from one perspective versus the other is kind of neat. So I think that they've, they're doing a lot of cool stuff with that. Um, there's some, and, and we can talk about it in a moment, but there's some interesting characters you see in, uh, in some of the cutscenes they kind of tease. Um, I think we're in for some, some pretty interesting stuff. I think a lot of the stuff they've been doing with the story up until this point is going to kind of converge. Um, it'll be kind of cool to see uh, what becomes of it. Yeah, Livy, any thoughts? Yeah, Livy didn't do much homework, so I have no clue. <laughs> about the storyline. I am uh, one of those people that will just hop on and play no matter what, so I'll I'll leave myself to be surprised, I guess. Nope. I'm I'm all about honesty in this podcast. It's a great thing that we do. Uh, we always tell you when we don't do our homework. That's good. I literally um, rolled out of the car and onto the mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I would, w- without going too deep into the story, it is 
here's what they kind of they kind of talked about in, in the Vidoc piece, and, and there's a lot of speculation that's just running rampant right now. But uh, the nine and the drifter, were, it looks like have been working together the whole time. Uh, and there's an interesting cutscene where the emissary the nine is is talking to the drifter. It looks like it's on his ship, and um, he, you know she refers to him as Dredgen, and he's like, Nah, not Dredgen anymore. It's just Drifter now, and so that made the Twitter webs go bonanzas because they were thinking, "Is that Dredgen Yor?" And, I, and it's it's I don't in any way believe that that's the intent. That he I'm pretty sure he's dead. Um, that's more along the lines of, that he was one of the shadows of Yor or one of the the Dredgens, if you will. That were you're kind of following some of the different lore books through the last word, so to speak. So I think there's a little bit in there, but it, it also kind of. Uh, there's a couple of hints dropped in there where you again get a sense of how old the drifter is. He's definitely a dark age uh, guardian or risen. He was. It, there's a few hints here and there, but it definitely looks like he was a contemporary of Dredgen, not so much a guy that came much later. Um, you know, which is kind of interesting, and it kind of fits more with his style of you know guardian, so to speak, or light bearer is much more in line with what you saw a lot of the other um, sort of traveler empowered uh, light bearers at, you know, before you, before the rise of what you now know as the guardians. Cause there's, there's basically not a war, but there's, there's a, a large consolidation of power uh, that the people that are, or the group that is now the guardians, uh, you know, in the last city, the Vanguard, they formed out of warlords and basically went out and made war with a bunch of other light bearers until they either made them join or killed them. And, and you know, that's the classic sort of thing that you see in the Middle, Age, Middle Ages. And that led to the founding of the city. So all that being said, uh, there's a lot going on with the Drifter. And, and you start to really understand what's going on with his his scoop. So from a lore standpoint, you're going to get these Zerb bounties. They're called Invitations of the Nine. And that's like that's... Very similar to the Marasov beat where you probably get drawn into cutscenes and um, other interactions with Zur, the Drifter, and the Nine that are much, much deeper dives into the story, which I think is pretty baller. Um, so kind of taking it from the top, the number one big thing they've got is Gambit Prime. It's a one-round, uh, super, super comp-style Gambit version with some very keen mechanical changes in there. Number one... It's so it is one round. You got to bank a hundred boats, not seventy-five, to, to pull the prime evil. Apparently, um, and, and there's some other things in there in terms of the mechanics for the prime evil are a little bit more raid-like. There's apparently some actual mechanics you have to you have to be able to coordinate with your team on to achieve um, just to DPS the boss. They've changed up the blockers and the bad guys quite a bit, uh, so you'll see some different things in there. And one of the more specific things is that's tied back to some of the rewards. Uh, it's the Gambit Prime armor sets. So those Gambit Prime armor sets have that chroma that you saw from like uh, like year one or uh, D1, and also sort of in the uh, gosh dog it the uh, age or what's the was it the Age of Triumph stuff or whatever we did at the very end of uh, D2 year one where you uh, the drama Solstice of Heroes yeah Solstice of Heroes so. It has that kind of chroma effect, but it's very, very specific to a role. So now they tried to, they, they've explained this in a couple different areas. I did a little bit of homework on this before the show. There's the, there's the TWAB. There's a really, really good interview with the IGN guys on Fireteam Chat where they had 
some of the key devs that you saw from the Vidac for you know like 45 minutes going on about this in, in greater detail. So it sounds like you got four. So there was four soft roles in Gambit. You're kind of a moat collector. You got to clear ads or a guy that took care of blockers and, you know, like dealt with the taken folks and you had an invader more or less. Uh, and those are like roles that the community sort of developed over their play styles with Gambit. And then basically what the developers did is that they took those soft roles that were sort of organically developed from the game mode. And then they leaned pretty hard into them with these armor sets. So you've got basically a, uh, imagine if you're a Titan, no, no, let's, let's skip that. Let's go to something cool. Imagine if you're a warlock, uh, you go get the <laughs> prime armor set and based on the type of role that you want to play, you get, it does, it's not clear if you're getting uh, a different like chest piece for each one. I don't actually think that's how it works. I think it's actually, here's your Warlock Gambit Prime Armor set, but then you're, you're going very specifically to unlock certain perks on it that you can activate. And the, and the armor, and they, they kind of tried to describe this, and it was, it was very interesting how, how the, the developer was saying it. And I'm kind of curious to hear your take on it. They said the armor unlocks the perks, but the perks aren't on the armor, which then allows you to actually equip exotics and, and stuff like that. So if you want like the invader perk set, you, as you add armor pieces, you can get more and more perks. And then it, you know, when you have either a full set or the full set unlocked, the perk set unlocked, um, you get like this ultimate perk, so to speak for that specific role. Uh, and they kind of went into a little bit of detail about what some of that was. Now I'm not sure what that means, but it, it basically was done in a way that allows you to, uh, again, still wear an exotic uh, while you have your Gambit Prime armor. Now, if you have all of the perks unlocked, uh, that's when you get that really bright chroma glow uh, that you saw in the Vidoc. And each color corresponds with a very specific role, and you can only work one role at a time, so to speak. Now, what they said, you, you could mix and match. Like, you could have uh, invader pants on and sentry gloves on or something like that. Uh, and there would be, like, a real muted color, but it wouldn't glow like you would get in the um, with the full set, which is kind of reminiscent of that Solstice of Heroes armor. Um, so, so I kind of think that's kind of cool. But so, for example, the Invader, that's the red glow armor, and you get these really cool gambit kind of snakes that are wrapped around your armor. It's really, really baller looking. You get two or three like sub perks, but your ultimate perk in that one is when you invade, you basically act as a blocker. And you can't bank moats until you kill the invader. And apparently, you can siphon moats from the uh, the opposing team's bank while you invade. So again, it's further uh, incentivizing people to come after you, which then makes your your ability to go after them much, 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 much greater. Um, so that sounds pretty pretty lethal. You know, imagine if you had somebody like a pretty good PvP player. They've got a full invader set, and then they launch in there, and so now they're a blocker. Uh, this is at the ultimate perk level, like kind of the you know, top tier perk level. They're a blocker, so you're not banking any moats, and then because they can siphon your bank, you can't just turtle and hide at the far side of the map, which is pretty pretty neat. No, by the way, they've also adjusted the spawn system 
for the invader to give you a more advantageous spawn generally so you're not just camped in one of the four locations you'll spawn at. Um, that that's pretty that's pretty significant. Uh, now on the flip side you've got the sentry. That's the yellow chroma set. Now that guy, his job is to kill taken and invaders. He is there to to protect the bank. So he probably it sounds like he gets specked up. It didn't go into a lot of detail on that one. And there's a lot of debate about, well, I don't know how good that one's going to be, but I bet it's going to be killer good against Taken and burning the the, uh, the Prime Evil and the Envoys and stuff like that. And you probably get some bonuses to the uh, to going after the Invader. And you can imagine that, like, packing Malfeasance or something like that is probably pretty, pretty good. That's actually the one I'm sort of interested in going after first. You've got the Reaper. That's the green armor set. And that one's all about killing ads. Uh, so you probably get a lot of uh, you know, something that's going to incentivize you to do that. And I'm not, not sure what that would be, but you can let your, your imagination run wild and kind of how that one's going to go. Then you've got the collector, which is the person that can collect more moats. Uh, I, I suspect you're going to get some mobility bonuses, a pickup zone bonus. So basically the, the, you know, sort of the bubble around you that you can pick up moats is probably a little bit bigger. And apparently you can bank 20 moats, not 15. And when you bank 20, you get like an Uber blocker that can go in, uh, which is pretty cool. And in fact, the, one of the other conditions that will allow you to siphon moats is if you have more than one blocker on the field at once. So if you go in there and you drop like two or three in an organized fashion, you can already start sucking moats down. Then your sentry is going to have to like do double duty to get those things the hell out of there. And then while he's about done with that, the invader comes in and you're having to having to make plays on the invader uh, while you're trying to secure your moats. So you can see where this is going to lead to a, a really, really high stakes single round of Gambit. Uh, now, now from Gambit Prime, then you go into this other thing called the Reckoning. Now, before we move into the Reckoning, which is, again, a different kind of game mode, uh, did you guys have any comments on your thoughts or what's your initial thoughts about that kind of Gambit Prime uh, changeup? Honestly, no, go ahead, Libby. I feel like people are going to probably want to play that over the regular Gambit. It seems like it's pretty much like a direct upgrade to the base game. Like, I'm, I'm looking at all this and going, I'd rather just play this all the time rather than the base Gambit, which is fine, you know. They, they probably could have just updated the original one, but if they wanted to keep it, that's fine. But, you know, I, I think that a lot of these things that I was reading or, or watching this Vidoc, I'm like, you can tell they made specific choices around breaking up certain behaviors the players have like and you, you you brought it up jay like the invader standing by the bank starts draining the bank because people would usually just go and hide in the back corner of the map and, and ignore the bank ignore everything that's going on just turtle up um which was pretty shitty like that like before that before that behavior started becoming prevalent the game is a lot more interesting um but then people quickly realized that's the best thing to do and, and it kind of it kind of took some of the fun out so that Forcing the defenders to actually defend the bank uh, against the invader as well as themselves kind of helps pull that action more out into the open and and, and um, you know encourages excuse me encourages you to actually ha have a more active role. I like that. Um, I also think that the whole summoning multiple blockers will start to drain the enemy's bank. Um, that almost seems like it's it's meant to really help encourage having one of the sentinels or the the defender ones, the gold one, um, 
on the pad pretty much the whole time, just sitting there, just mow down and keep that bank clear because normally how it goes is, you know, depending on when things happen, you run off, you might have three, four blockers just sitting at the bank. You grab your moats, you come back, you clear them, you you bank. Um, I, I think this kind of helps make that role more useful, um, especially if it gets bonuses like resistance against invader damage, resistance against like uh, taken, like you, that could be actually a really potent role. I think that that one actually could be a lot of fun too. Um, and then also some of the more obvious roles like the, the Reaper going around or, you know, in, in killing trash mobs and the, and the collector, I think, like you said, they take those soft roles, make them into hard roles. I think that's, that's really good. And what I like about it is that when you invade or even in the start menu, in the, in like the, the pre-match screen, you can see what the other team is wearing. So you can kind of anticipate like, Okay, they've got two Reapers, they've got an Invader, and they've got a Collector, you know. And you can kind of tune your strategy around what you're seeing they have equipped. Or when you're invading, you can perhaps make a choice on who you want to target, um, who you don't want to target, depending on what they're wearing. It it really makes you think a little bit more, and I think it kind of adds a little bit more of the strategy back into um, how you approach the mode, which is really good, because that's that's kind of what I mentioned earlier in the show. When it forces me to to really change how I am doing the same activity or something that's very similar, um, that's usually a good design because you can reuse that game mode, but you you make me approach it in a different way. And I think that this absolutely helps, um, you know, do that. I don't know how well it's going to work out. And, and the devs even admitted, they go, well, we made these rolls, we made these bonuses. We have no idea how it's going to play out really, how people are going to use it. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I think that's that's pretty candid that, it's, it's hard to predict what people will come up with. I mean, a lot of the methods that you see used in normal Gambit right now for, like, the burn or how you defend, they probably weren't even anticipating that to happen. And just kind of went, oh, shit, <laughs> we should probably find a way to, to maybe discourage that being the only method worth using. So um, I, I think from a design perspective, a lot of what they've done is, is really good. It addresses a lot of the issues. Um, and I like that the way it feels structured, it, 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 I'm hoping just kind of a, on a surface level, it kind of brings the game mode back to what Gambit started as, where it really felt like this tug of war back and forth, um, as opposed to what it kind of turned into of once someone gets ahead, it's pretty much over. Like you could tell, and, and, and to be fair, you, you could turn matches around more often than not once an enemy team like got their primeval summoned. If you weren't summoning yours like in the next 15 seconds, you were probably going to lose. Um, and that that never felt fun. I, I think the single round where there's lots of drain mechanics where you have to bank more moats, you have the ability to basically push their progress back, um, ways you can kind of push yours forward a little bit quicker depending on your team comp. I think a lot of these things will kind of help make it like like you said a much more intense competitive mode, but also kind of bring back what made the initial Gambit offering really fun, which is kind of that, like, like it's like a tug-of-war back and forth. So I, I think it'll be good. I think the raid mechanics for boss burn will are fantastic. I think it'll slow that that part down, because that was always really annoying when you'd see someone melt their primeval in, like, 10 seconds with no stacks. Like, that, that was bullshit. You know, that was just, like horrible so making people slow down and actually have to you know work around the situation rather than having your ability to just dump as much damage as possible in a short period of time being like the winning factor um is gonna be really good so i mean like i said i I have no idea how it's gonna all play out but i think from a top 
level outside you know perspective it looks like it's a good design we'll see how it goes but i'm i'm pretty enthused about it and i think it'll be pretty good so i'm looking forward to it yeah i tend to agree with you like i'll be super interested in playing this one one i'm a you know i flipped my flip my gambit uh rank i think five times so i'm i'm a pretty i'm a pretty solid player <laughs> um are you saying yeah. you really like gambit yeah, I like it a hell of a lot more than the Crucible. Um, <laughs> that that being said, uh, I, I they they do they did make some other changes to the normal Gambit, which now I don't know if you guys are tracking. There's no third round anymore. It's basically sudden death. Yeah, uh, saw that. Yes, which I think is a great quality <laughs> life thing. Just yeah, I agree. That, that really is because that third one sometimes just made rage. Yeah, exactly. So. I actually don't mind that too much, and I think you're still going to find some people playing, a fair amount of people playing regular Gambit, mostly because I'm going to suspect that the even the mobs in, you know, like all the ads and stuff in Gambit Prime are probably a touch harder, maybe more like second round. Um, you know, that and that would make sense if you're going into one round. They're probably starting out at a little bit tougher set of ads. Um and I suspect you're still going to find a fair amount of people playing regular Gambit uh, at some point. Uh, but once you get done with that, then you get an opportunity in the Drifter ship. And you kind of start to understand a little bit more about what the Drifter ship is and that big ice ball behind it. But he's basically got a direct dial hookup to uh, the planes of the Nine or uh, the unknown space area where uh, where the, the Nine hang out, the big sort of hoth solar wasteland i'm not sure if that's snow or white sand or some crazy like pink floyd album cover looking shit that they got going that's amazing you still there jay hey guys sound check there you are oh okay, yeah so it showed me still in the recording room and i wasn't hearing anything so i was like is this me or is it them i'm not i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure but I think, yeah it was definitely silent so what i was saying before you because you came back for like 20 seconds and then left again um yeah you, the last that we heard was your Pink Floyd joke about the uh, the planes of the oh, nine. Sorry, no worries. I can edit it all out. So if you want to continue your thought from yeah, there, yeah. We'll yeah. Go. So long story short, I, I think it's a really cool gameplay loop they have. When you come out of Gambit Prime, you go into the Reckoning, and then you um, you basically go through that pinnacle peak. Okay, so we're having a lot of uh, audio difficulties, so Jay keeps cutting in and out. So I'm just going to kind of continue his thought, or at least what I, I think his thought is. So it's kind of a cool gameplay loop that they have going on because it's you play Gambit Prime, and uh, forgive me for getting the for getting the exact mechanic of how it works, but basically it, it gives you the ability to go into a different PVE cooperative game mode called The Reckoning. And you're basically going to start in Gambit Prime, take this unlock to The Reckoning, and you do runs of this, you get the Gambit Prime armor, and you take that back to Gambit Prime to basically farm for more, you know, more Reckoning runs. Um, it's probably a little more involved than that, but that's kind of the core loop behind it, which is, is kind of neat, because again, like I, like I mentioned before, it's nice when it, it forces you to kind of jump between activities to make progress rather than, you know, here's a reward, do this forge 50,000 times to get the, the drop for it. Uh, that's what gets stale. And I think if there's some way they can kind of, you know, create that loop, create like a, 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 a encouragement to do different types of activities or at least break it up a little bit, that's going to help a lot. So I, I think that that's really good. Um, 
I'm trying to think what else they had. I know they've got some new pinnacle weapons. Um, I haven't looked into the requirements for that, but there's one for Gambit, one for Crucible, and one for Vanguard. Uh, I think the Vanguard is a scout rifle. I think the Gambit one is a new archetype of heavy machine gun. That's the the lightweight frame, so that's like the, the bullet hose, ultra-high fire rate. Um, it's kind of my least favorite in Destiny 1, that particular archetype. I like usually the slower-firing ones, but we'll see how it goes. Um, it'll be good just to have more heavy machine guns in the game, period, since we only have, like, two, I guess. You got the three, I guess. Hammerhead, um, Avalanche from the event, and then uh, Thunderlord. And then uh, an SMG for Crucible. That'll be kind of interesting. I think that'll probably tie in a bit with some of what they're doing with the Sandbox. SMGs um, were, were the meta in Crucible um, in early D2. That changed quite a bit where you almost never see them anymore. So it'll be kind of good to see if that can kind of get uh, mixed up a bit as well. Um, with- yeah, it'd be nice not to have to play, you know, with the same hand cannon repeatedly everywhere. Yeah, since I'll never get my Luna's Howl. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Uh, I, I've done all the steps for Luna's Howl and I can't. I'm just I, I can't get through the, the the competitive grind to get to Fable, and I'm just like fucking I'm done. It's okay. It's last season anyway. I because I, I I have I have all the steps done for Luna's Howl. I have all the steps done for the mountaintop, like the the damn grenade launcher. I just have to get to Fable, and I'll get both of them at the same time. And I'm sure the freaking SMG will be the same. So probably I'll probably grind my face through all of them with the intent to get to Fable, and then I'll never do it because you know it's horrible and I hate competitive. Um, but uh, yeah, they've they've got some new comp- some new uh, pinnacle rewards. Um, the Gambit one um, was is, was isn't bad. That wasn't bad getting. Um, and it was a decent auto rifle, so I'll probably get that one. For... Yeah, that one was fine. The just play the game ones are great. The ones where you have to, you know, be legend. <laughs> just, just fabled, not legend. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think those those are good as well. So I think, I think you've got a lot of, of good stuff going for you with um, what's coming up in the season of the Drifter. And, you know, there's some... You know, unfortunately, Jay's not here, so I can't talk to him about it. But oh, the, oh, I'm here. Oh, you're there? You're, you're back. It's okay. Okay, like he's here. He's back like a ninja. It's the phantom of the podcast. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully your 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 connection will hold out here. Um, so there's some they they tease some cutscenes in uh, in in this this Vidoc here. What do you think of the guy playing cards with uh, with Drifter towards the end there? Uh, well, okay, great question. So I think that was a D1 helmet. I think we lost Jay again. <laughs> he he can basically talk for like ten to fifteen words, and then it cuts him off. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's actually a hunter set from Destiny Two, actually, and it's kind of curious that he's got um, shards of Galanor on. And I have to look at the lore on that again and see if that hints at who that person might be, if it's at all related, but. Typically speaking, when you've got an NPC character with a specific exotic, it's usually for a reason. Um, oh, I back. don't think so. I don't know if it's Aldrin, if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> no, no, I, I, that's not where I was going with it. Um, Although that would be that would be absolutely baller if it was. <laughs> he's this this masked uh, character for who knows how long, and then he comes out of nowhere because they, they kind of said that. The Aldrin thing is going on, but we're not going to go back to it immediately. It's going to come into the story a little bit later. Um, that would be kind of a fun twist if there's this character that you don't know who it is and it's actually him the whole time, like, doing stuff. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think that 
Drifter's got a bunch of compatriots or, or whatever that he's kind of working with. And, you know, and he, there's always two angles that he's playing at the same time. So I'm kind of curious on uh, what all of that actually means. Yeah, I think that's pretty legit. But, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see what they do with all this because I bet it's going to be pretty solid. Uh, I, I just I have a feeling. I mean, they, they I think they're doubling down on the Drifter because that is definitely their – Probably one of their go-to characters right now to uh, to expand sort of the world of Destiny. Yeah, I think this will probably be a lot better um, in a narrative sense, and I think just from what we've seen, a lot better in a in a gameplay sense than what we saw with Season of the Forge. So I'm I'm hopeful for it. Um, it comes out tomorrow, so I mean, there's there's definitely we'll get our hands on it very soon, and it'll be good to see what kind of people think about it overall. Did you have anything else on that, Jay? Before we move on to uh, Division. Uh, no, uh, overall, I think it's pretty good. There, there's a ton of sandbox change, changes, like we said. Shotguns are getting a huge makeover. Uh, a lot of legendaries, particularly power weapons, are getting a huge makeover. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're trying to bring some, some legendaries up to the point where you don't feel like you must use a, an, an exotic power weapon, basically. I think they're trying to even it out where there's more options that are viable. Which sounds good. They're definitely so they're nerfing shotguns and cluster cluster bomb rockets. That will change a lot of things in the meta, like for definitely for PVE. Um, so overall, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of stoked for it. They do have pinnacle weapons back for the different for the different things. I think I heard you and Livy talking about that a little bit. Um, the pinnacle weapons so far that they've put out have generally been pretty good, and so I hope they continue the trend of making those some some sought after sought after weapons uh big fan big fan of the uh, the auto rifle the gambit auto rifle with the onslaught perk and then i put like a rampage spec on it that thing is just brutal when you start clearing ads so i, I like the pinnacle weapon idea it's that kind of thin line between uh your legendaries and your exotics that's it's kind of a neat sweet spot so overall i'm i'm i'm, I'm pretty down with it interested to see how this is going to go tomorrow yeah, it'll be good to see. I'm, I'm eager to kind of get in there and, and give this stuff a go. So we'll have to see how it goes. And we'll, we'll definitely check back uh, next week for the next show and, and kind of give our initial thoughts on it. So it'll be good. So moving along, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it just because I, there's not a ton to say. But so the open beta for Division 2 um, came out this last weekend. And so we, we hopped on and gave it a shot. And if you if you missed the, the episode where I talked about the closed beta, that was the one where you you had to get you to pre-order to get into. Um, I went into it really hopeful, and the closed beta um, kind of dashed my hopes and, and, and brought me down to eh, we'll see. Um, so the short end of the story is the open beta. Once I was done with it, I went and canceled my pre-order for the game. Um, <laughs> Like, yeah i i it, it was so so like it was a lot of it was kind of like am i gonna play anthem or am i gonna play division and i've just kind of decided to pass on anthem and i was like well i'll probably play division then and in the meantime i started playing final fantasy 14 again i'm like wow this game is really good i'm having a lot of fun and i went back and played the open beta for division i'm like oh my jesus make it end like i i was just i i felt like i was more forgiving than i should have been initially because i was like in this like one or the other and then i had like a third alternative now and i'm just like this is just kind of pissing me off playing it no i think that that the first beta that came out or was it the private beta was actually 
better than this this one that just came out. Like this one was really glitchy and it's really bad. If you just compare those two events. Yeah, it's yeah, I'd say the stability actually got worse. Um like the connection issues were better, which is good, but just like the graphical glitches and, and stuff that was like again, not game breaking, but it just kind of pulled you out of whatever you were doing. Like uh, for example, I'm, I'm shooting at a guy, um, and he's behind cover, and he's stuck to the cover, and then he's, his model starts glitching through the cover, and I was able to shoot his back that was clipping through the wall he was behind <laughs> and kill him. And it's just like, uh, it's, it's just, it was frustrating. Um, in you know, some of the stuff that they changed was good, like making the special weapon ammo drop more often, like, cool, that was needed. But it just, I, I just found myself even more annoyed this time with some of the design choices. Like, the UI in that game is just not good. Um, it, it's hard to read. Um, it's, it's overly cluttered. Like, in some ways, it's better than Division 1. In some ways, it's way worse. And it just kind of frustrated me. A lot of the new skills, this is probably the one that actually killed it for me. They, they, they let you play with some new skills. And so I, I, they, they reset your character. So I, I picked up skills I didn't pick up the first time. And the first time I played through, I went with ones that were really straightforward. Like, I got, like, the Assault Turret, which is just, like, a turret. It just, you know, does damage. Really simple. Worked, worked really well. Um, and then, like, a little healing drone that you could you could stick to yourself or to an ally and heal them. Like, those were great. But then, like, when I got into the end game build where they give you some of the specialty turrets, and I talked about this before, like, the, the Mortar Turret, I was just like, this thing's impossible to use. Like, it's just, it's, it's so much of a pain in the ass to use that... I didn't want to do it. I'm like, I just want to go back to the other turret I was using. Well, they, they unlocked the chem launcher in in this game, this this open beta, and it was like, okay, this is kind of neat. Like, there's two options. One, it like shoots out this like this grenade and it does this, like this sticky foam, like it's expanding foam that immobilizes enemies. Or there's another version that shoots out like a cloud of um, explosive gas. And if you shoot the gas, it explodes and does fire damage. Okay, cool. Sounds cool in concept. But like just the act of pulling out this, the tool and using it was so counterintuitive. Like the way you would expect it is like you hold the skill button down. It like swaps your gun for your little chem launcher, you know, pistol thing. And you aim it like a normal gun and you pull the button you normally pull to fire your gun and it would fire the, the, the chem grenade. Like that's what you would expect. But in reality, it's you hold the button down and you have to keep holding it and the animation is ungodly long for the, the pullout animation. And then it's not aim, it's you have to release the button to fire while maneuvering your hand to aim. And then if it's got multiple rounds in the magazine, so you have to kind of like really hold release but then you have to hold it again but if you wait too long you put the skill away so you got to do it quickly it was just it was way more complicated than it needed to be and so the animation was slow and then the projectile itself has an arc to it so you can't even aim at something and switch to it and fire you have to aim at something switch to it now readjust your aim and now fire it, it's like Compared to, like, the Sticky Bomb in Division 1, it was so much harder to use. I was just getting pissed off trying to use it and stopped using it halfway through the mission. And I was finding that, like, half the skills that you have access to are such a pain in the ass to use. And I didn't use all of them, but people in my group were using the others. 
and we all agreed like there's like three variants of like specific skills that are useful. Everything else is too much of a pain in the ass to use. It, it's counterintuitive. The controls are clunky, or it's just not good. And this isn't even just like the number balance is wrong. It's like just the way it's designed is stupid. Um, and I'm just like, okay, like I get this is an anthem. The whole focus is in the skills, but it, it kind of is like, you know, you're this cool sleeper agent with these tech devices and like all of the, the ideas behind them are great, but they were just either way too situational or harder to use than they needed to be. And it just pissed me off. Like, like I said, we were like on our way to go do um, this other mission and I died for like the 12th time for a stupid reason because my damn chem launcher wouldn't pull out fast enough. And I'm just like, I'm done. Like, like literally said, talk to you guys later, closed the game, deleted it, went to Amazon, canceled my pre-order. Like, I don't want to be hyperbolic about it, but it was just like, I literally can't play five more minutes of this game without being really agitated by the design choices in here. So it's like, it's frustrating for me because a lot of the stuff they were talking about doing, I'm like, yes, you guys get it. You are fixing problems the first game had. And then you come in and I'm like, but you broke half of the other shit that was actually halfway decent. And I don't want to play your game anymore. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of my thoughts on division two, like maybe in a while it will get better, but like, from my experience from the closed beta kind of dashing my hopes to just not wanting to even play it anymore with the open beta, I'm just kind of done with it for now. And if it turns itself around in a year and people go, Hey, it's way better. Sure. You know, that's that, that happens, you know, it happened with the first game and then it could happen again. But right now I'm just like, I'm not going to touch this game at all. God, that seems to be the trend. Hopefully it'll be better in a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, and things. To be fair, in many cases, um, it it does get better. And, and Ubisoft's had a, good, a really good track record lately of of going. Well, that game was kind of a flop, but we're not just going to throw it away. We're going to actually reinvest in it, really trying to make it better, bring it up to the standards that you know um, that 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 consumers expect. And it, for one, it should absolutely be to that standard before you release it. But at least you know there is hope that it will get better. But I'm kind of done spending my money on a game that I hope will get better. I'd rather just wait and see where it actually ends up before I before I make that leap. So um, that's a, it's pretty much a hard no on Division Two right now for me, which is a real shame because I I really had high hopes for it. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna pass on this one. Yeah, not said there. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, <laughs> sorry, Jay, do you have something to say? Uh, no, I'm just I'm just kind of chuckling over it a little bit, just in terms of uh, your reaction to it, because I, I, you know, the Division is a great example of a game I really, really wanted to like, indeed, you know, Division One, but was not in any way. I, I just couldn't play it over time, and I was hoping, to, I was really interested to see your take, just to wonder how much that they had changed or updated in Division Two, and it sounds like they did fix some stuff, but I don't think they fixed the core issues with the game no matter how much work ubisoft's put in over the last year or two yeah i mean like, like i say it's, it's they, they fixed some things they broke some things and there were some things that just didn't get fixed and i i think in many cases those are intrinsic to the type of game it is and you just may never get away from that and if that if those things really bother you as a consumer it's probably just not a good game for you and that's okay you know it I think we often have this mentality that 
if everyone likes this game, then you should like it too. But it's like sometimes it's just not the right game for you, and that's okay. So, you know, I, I think this is a good example for you. You know, it's the 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 setting and the type of game it is don't mesh well for you because they really ruin the immersion for you. There's no yeah. way they're ever going to get away from that. Like they they tried with the whole like it's body armor instead of um, you know health, but it. Honestly, it's the same thing. Enemies still soak up damage. There's there's less bullet sponges, I'll give them that, but you still have like that one guy that will take 300 LMG rounds, and it's like, oh, my chest armor broke, so I'm going to die now. Um, it, it's still there, and, and that's never going to really go away, and I think that just just not the game for you. Um, and that's totally cool. So, you know, I, is, it, is it... I don't know. I, I'm not sure if they can ever truly, quote-unquote, fix it, but uh, we'll see if they can kind of roll back some of these these more unfortunate changes they've made and, and, and fix a few of the others that they've they haven't really gotten around to. So we'll see. Um, but uh, definitely not not something I'm going to be getting in the near future. Okay, so uh, one last quick thing I kind of wanted to mention before we go into shout outs. So something that we've kind of been bouncing around here at Biomast is, is how to kind of handle the YouTube channel. Um, specifically the type of content we want to be hosting on that channel and kind of how to differentiate what the the theme of what we're doing is versus, you know, everything that we do. And, and we kind of came to the decision that um, it would make more sense if we kept the Biomast YouTube channel specifically for more curated stuff. So I'm talking like, you know, news articles, um, more formal reviews, um, you know, that sort of thing. And then kind of segment away some of uh, the more casual, funny, I don't want to say lower quality, but less curated stuff to a separate channel. So what I've done is I've started a personal YouTube channel um, called 10,000 Needles. If you're a Final Fantasy fan, you'll understand the reference. Um, but that's going to be kind of where we host uh, the Dungeon Crawl series and, and other funny stuff we might do um, just to kind of keep the, the Biomast YouTube channel a little more clean and, and, and pristine. And then I can be a little more liberal with what I'm doing um, on the personal channel. So we have posted our first episode of our Dungeon Crawl for Resident Evil 2, the remake. Um, it's up right now. We'll have a link in the description for the, uh, the podcast here. But if you want to go check it out, that is where we will be posting um, all of our ongoing Dungeon Crawl series for now. Um, but the Biomass YouTube channel is not going anywhere. It's it's going to still be there and, and kind of be for a lot of the more recent stuff we've done, like the Project Nova news and, and you know more formal reviews and that sort of thing. So uh, we'll have both of those going, and uh, we'll we'll take it from there, and it should be good stuff. So are you guys uh, ready for shoutouts? Shout out to Jay's mic. I think we lost him again. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> yep, I'm I'm ready. Okay, okay. Um, I have two shout-outs this week. Um, so first goes to a mobile game, but it, it was actually originally like a PC game on, on Congregate, which is a free game website, but I, I found it on the App Store, um, and it's called Electric Box, um, and it's kind of like a fun little sequence puzzle game. So if you've liked games like The Incredible Machines, where it's kind of like, here's a partially completed Rube Goldberg machine, and now you need to take this set of components and put them in the right spots, the whole thing you know, orchestrates in a way that, that gets power from point A to point B. It, it's that kind of thing. Um, I really like the game. I played it a lot in college, actually, when I like wasn't paying attention to my geology class. I played the hell out of it. Um, 
so uh, it's called the Electric Box. Like I said, it's available on PC. I'll see if I can dig up the online, um, the, the PC version of it, but I also got it through the Google uh, Play Store. It's free. Um, there's really no in-game microtransactions, just like ads in between levels, but um, it's really fun. Uh, so kind of shout out to that. It, it's, if you like puzzle games or sequence games, um, it's, it's a good game to give a shot. Uh, my other shout out goes to a Resident Evil 2 mod that changes Mr. X into Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, Mr. X is my favorite part of Resident Evil 2 and he is absolutely terrifying. Um, but having Thomas the Tank Engine chase you around is ridiculous and actually even more terrifying. So um, I'll get a link to the video. Um, it's it's pretty funny. But yeah, Seeing uh, a train body slam Claire was just classic. Yeah. <laughs> and plus my ongoing theory that uh, Thomas the Tank Engine... And the island of Sodor is actually a prison island for 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 trains, but uh, oh my god, you're getting dark. <laughs> dark. It's a great fan theory. We'll do it someday on the show. Um, but anyways, uh, Jay, shout outs for you, man. Uh, yeah. So I'll give a shout out to CCP Guard uh, for if you're if you're a, a CCP Games fan, like you know, like AKA Eve Online in particular. Uh, Guard has been the community manager over there for. Gosh, I want to say, I, I think going on 14 or 15 years, no, 16 years, 15 or 16 years. And he just announced today on Twitter that he is going to be departing CCP. Um, you know, hats off to that guy. He's really the epitome of what a, um, you know, what a community manager could be and what he, what you could mean to uh, a game. So that guy was, he was a lot more than just a community manager, did a ton of different stuff for the game. Uh, helped organize a lot of huge events for them and was a great sort of ambassador for CCP games. So hats off to him and uh, hope, hope wish, wish him well in the future. All right. And Livy, you're up. I can't decide if my shout out goes to Jay's mic or the order in which I do my shout outs because you guys took all of mine. Um, I'll tag along to the shout out to CCP Guard, though. Uh, he will be missed, but good luck on all his future travels, and hopefully, he finds something that fulfills him. Yeah, no, we've 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 met him um, a couple times. He's a he's a really great guy. He's really funny. Um, so all the, all the crazy shenanigans, he's actually like that. Like the guy is always smiling and running around like a lunatic. It's it's sad to see him go, but uh, it was uh, it was good that he was able to be a part of that community because he really was kind of the figurehead of everything that was going on. And it's, uh, it's sad to see him go, but you know, it's, uh, his, his letter he wrote is actually really good. I'll probably get a link for that, um, for what it's worth. Cause it, he kind of lays out exactly kind of his thought process and, um, it's, it's, it's a positive thing on why he's leaving. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's worth the read. With that being said, uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, sorry for all the, the mic troubles, but uh, we, we worked through it. Um, and that being said, if you have any topics you want us to cover, any games you want us to play, hit us up on biomass.net. That being said, have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Great.